I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 97, Weaving in South Philadelphia, with Melanie Cavallero-Wallace of Fiber Studio. This week's episode features Melanie, a fine artist and weaver. She studied fine arts in Italy, where she found a passion for classic oil painting, world culture, and combining global textures, form, and color. She now uses these elements in her weaving practice, which is based in South Philadelphia, and I'm excited to share this episode with you all. Hey, Melanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Can you start out by introducing yourself and telling us about your background? Sure. Um, So my name is Melanie. Uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, a rural town um, called Westgrove, and I've been doing art basically my whole life. Um, Ever since I was a teenager, I can remember making things to sell, whether it was a painting or knitting a scarf, and it kind of led me on a whole journey of fine arts, ceramics, painting, and then landing in textiles. And you also have a background in fine arts. Can you talk about your practice? Where did you study and how you kind of began working with textiles and fibers? Sure. Um, So I started my undergrad at Moore College of Art and Design and is a fine art college in Philadelphia. I was there for about two years and I really wanted... um, more out of my academic experience. I was falling in love with art history and um, I was seeing all this artwork all over the world that I really wanted to have the chance to see in person. Um, So my school did not have a study abroad program but I knew that was something I really wanted to do and I ended up transferring to an Italian university and I landed in Rome for six months and then traveled to Florence and uh, went to the Uffizi, which is a fine art uh, museum in Florence. It's one of the best museums, I think, in the world, in my opinion. And I said, I have to go to school in Florence. Um, So then I transferred to a university there called Lorenzo de' Medici. And I studied um, painting, uh, art restoration. And oddly enough, they didn't really have a textile program, but... I believe it really set the foundation for so many areas of working with textiles, um, composition, color palette choices, texture itself, um, how to play with different moods and feelings uh, within using texture, uh, all those things that you need when you're doing fine arts, whether it's um, 2D or 3D, can really apply to working with textiles. That sounds really beautiful. I'm sure you were inspired by your surroundings and and all of the culture. (laughs) Yeah, it was overload, sensory overload. I was always crying. (laughs) None of my friends would go to museums with me. Um, But it was was really great. And I try to still hold on to that sense of inspiration, um, no matter what medium I'm working on, to try and kind of immerse myself in my place and pull inspiration from that. 
Mm. And would you say that being in that environment has influenced your aesthetic and how you view and see texture and how a lot of those themes in that area and within that culture has played out in your work? Absolutely. I think it's so important to have uh, a traditional background in whatever, either art, music, whatever you do, before you kind of deconstruct that. And um, I think it really helped me see things a little bit differently, whereas, um, you know, when you're looking at things in a book or when you're learning things kind of just without being in a place, you kind of have one view of it, but then when you're actually in a place, you have this whole other view. So I started thinking about my ideas like across many different genres of art, and I started thinking about things I had applied to painting and to textiles and um, different, the way light hits different things. It just kind of opened my eye into this whole different world view uh, and inspired me to look at other cultures, not just being in an Italian culture, but all textiles from all over the world. And what would you say was the point when you were first introduced to textile making specifically and what kind of encouraged you to sort of follow through on that path? Uh, So the first time I think I got the bug was when I saw um, silk painting in Mm. Florence and I thought it was so cool and I just loved the idea of being able to have something tangible and and practical to put your artwork on Um, and I didn't really start thinking about weaving particularly until after my son was born Um, I couldn't use my oil paints and the chemicals that I needed to do (laughs) paintings around him and I didn't have the energy to have like a whole setup and breakdown in between nap time. So (laughs) I was really looking for an outlet. And I think I was scrolling just through like an art magazine and I saw a tapestry and I was like, well, that's so beautiful. I really need to try. And uh, I kind of just opened up this whole world of everything I love to do in art, which is really using my hands, feeling a fiber material setting up a composition, but also at the end of the day, you have this beautiful piece that you can hang on a wall or you can create into something you can wear. Um, And the the sky's the limit, really. It's a medium that has so many different possibilities. Yeah. Can you kind of explain what you were talking about before as your inspiration? You said soap painting. Oh, yes. Um, So in Italy... um, one of the ways to dye silk is they actually do painting in the water and they lay pigment on with like drops or paintbrushes on the surface of the water and then they kind of like quickly run this a silk cloth over top of it and it picks up the pattern. And it's a little bit of printmaking, it's a little bit of painting, but then at the end you have this beautiful silk fabric that can then be turned into, you know, scarf or cut and sewn into materials for dresses and that sort of thing. Um, and that kind of idea of having artwork that was tangible, that could be moved and have all these different purposes really kind of inspired me to look on to more textiles and weaving down the road. Mm. And when did you develop skills in weaving? Like, how did you learn the craft? Um, so once I had saw my kind of initial inspiration um, picture, I just 
started getting knowledge anywhere I could. I got books from the library. I ordered things on Amazon. I went online and I kind of self-taught myself all the basic practices I needed to know and then just kind of played around with it. With weaving, once you know the foundations, your interest will take you wherever you want to go. Um, and the more and more research I did, the more and more I found of what a global practice it is, how you, some of these stitch techniques are hundreds or thousands of years old. And it was really fascinating to me that you could revive some of these techniques in a more contemporary way and kind of still make it your own. And have you experimented with any specific techniques or fibers? Yes. Yeah, so I got really into jamdami, which is, um, it's used a lot in India and Southern Asia. And it's a practice of weaving that creates this really, really fine, um, almost looks like a silk or, or a mesh uh, fabric, but has inter- intricate designs that look like they're embroidered on top, but they're actually woven. And traditionally, the practice takes months, like it could take six to eight months for, you know, one kind of bolster fabric. And um, there's a few other ways you can do it a little bit quicker and try and modernize the, the process, make it a little bit more accessible for everyday weavers to do. And I've been experimenting a little bit with it. Um, haven't found exactly the way that I want to do it, but it's really beautiful. And uh, coming up in the spring, I'm trying to do some summer vest and kind of uh, like kimonos and coats with that kind of light mesh fabric. So hopefully I lock down a method that I like <laughs> soon. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like it's going to be gorgeous. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> And is this something that you're also kind of reading books about and figuring out as you go along? Yeah, a lot of the things that I've been finding, there's, I mean, there's some hard and fast rules of how to do certain techniques, but some things I like to adapt. Um, I just recently got a floor loom, but before that I was strictly using frame uh, looms and like various sizes. And I was trying to find a way to make it more accessible because not everyone is fortunate enough to have access to a floor loom. So a lot of these really beautiful, intricate techniques, um, how can you make those on a smaller scale or how can you simplify it without losing the integrity of the technique? So it it does take a lot of research, but it's something that I really love having a, a art history background is just finding out the history of this technique and, and where it came from and how it can be revived in a, a modern way. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I'm excited to see what your projects kind of turn out to be. Yeah, thanks. It should be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And can you talk specifically about Fiber Studio? You know, what it is and then also what inspired you to start it? Yeah, so I started it, um, I guess, a little over a year ago. It's still very much in its beginnings. Um, I have a lot more plans for it to kind of expand and grow and hopefully it continues to but I just wanted a way to make this an everyday thing for me and keep the creative passion alive and kind of share the joy I have um, for creating so it started out with me just teaching small workshops here and there and I hope that it evolves to 
um, my online series that I'm hoping to do with teaching frame weaving, floor weaving, and um, a certain series of stitch work. So I'm hoping to be able to do that this year. And in the long run, I would like to publish um, a stitches book for people who are starting to weave and, and kind of really got the bug, but are totally overwhelmed with all the information that's out there and kind of break it down to these are the stitches and this is what you can do with them. And then here are like the next kind of advanced steps and products you could do with that. Um, and just kind of break everything down. There isn't really anything out there that's kind of like a dictionary of stitches or techniques. So that'd be like a long-term project. <laughs> um, but why I started it, yeah, I just, I just wanted to share my love um, for weaving and, and make it more accessible for everyone who is interested but maybe scared. Mm. So you're kind of like creating a community and also teaching courses uh, to people who are beginners and, and really getting interested into weaving? Yeah, definitely. I mean, also, I, I obviously want to sell things and get my, my own personal products out there. But I think half of the beauty of creating is sharing. Mm. So it's something that's always been important to me. And, um, you know, it, it's great to to make things and have success in selling your own things. But I think it's more rewarding in sharing a passion with the world. Yeah, I agree. So you also mentioned earlier that you're from Philadelphia. And I know that you're also located in Philly, South Philly to be exact. What is your surrounding community like? Are there other weavers and fiber enthusiasts in the area? Yeah, so it's kind of really booming now. There's a few uh, new studios that just opened up um, kind of near me. And I, my personal home, actually, we just moved to the suburbs. But um, I think that it's something that really is kind of sweeping over lots of the area. I mean, you think of Creative Philadelphia as Northern Liberties or Fishtown, but South Philadelphia is really kind of a lot of... Um, yarn shops are basing their warehouses in South Philly and it's become this kind of little haven for textiles. It's really cool. And what is the area in South Philly like? Is it like a city, like an urban environment? Are there a lot of artists in the area? Yeah, it's becoming quite a mix of your older generations who have lived there since the beginning of time and then you have kind of a newer, you know, younger millennials that are moving in, generally creatives. Um, you have lots of new food restaurants coming in. So it's drawing in a lot of young people. And um, there's that whole new creative center that just opened up um, in South Philly. It's called Bach. And it's a whole warehouse that has been transformed into studios. And there's uh, ceramics, liberal arts, dance. Um, you can rent it out for parties. And there's weaving studios and supplies for art and it's become this kind of a renaissance area so the neighborhoods around that are kind of you know absorbing the the artistic renaissance that's happening in South Philly it's definitely a good place to be Mm, that sounds pretty cool and you mentioned earlier about offering different things on your website I'm curious what your experience has been kind of finding ways to leverage and to sustain your practice. Being an artist, I know it's often really difficult 
Um, I'm wondering maybe what are some of the challenges, if any, in maintaining your practice? It's definitely challenging. I think the first thing you have to think of is being practical and being realistic. I think I have this vision of just dive in and automatically be super successful, which is not (laughs) how it goes. Um, So I think if you have patience and you have a clear timeline of what you want to do, that's really helped me. And I think at first, teaching everywhere as much as I can and reaching out to as many places as you can, making all the connections you can is really important Um, and not being afraid to just walk into a, you know, fiber supply store and say, hey, you know, my name is Melanie. I teach textiles and here's my card. I'd I'd love to connect one day. Like you just have to not be afraid to put yourself out there. Um, But it's definitely been challenging especially with there being so many resources and so many kind of people interested in doing something similar, you kind of have to find your own niche, I guess. Um, So for me, like not limiting myself to just being like, well, I only want to sell my own things um, or I only want to teach here, uh, I think has been really helpful to kind of branch out your avenues for success and maybe think a little outside the box of, okay, well, first, maybe I have to teach at two or three places to get myself established, and then I'll launch, you know, the online classes, or then I'll launch this um, collection of fabric or, you know, this selection of yarn. So I think for me, the most um, helpful thing has really been getting organized and making kind of a, a plan A, plan B, plan C for myself. And not, and not getting discouraged because there's going to be a lot of doors that close, but there's a lot that open too. So, yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. In the, in the same kind of situation. I'm also really curious if you have, um, specific materials that you like to work with. Yeah. So I try always to get sustainable, responsibly, um, made fibers is really important to me that you know animals are treated correctly in the the fibers that come from them um and it also is feels better you know if you're wearing something that's been handled and treated carefully and ultimately if you're making a piece of clothing it feels nicer it feels softer you're not worried about especially if you're putting it on a child um if there's been harsh chemicals used on it or harsh dyes that could be dangerous so especially when I'm making something wearable, I always try to, to do that. Um, I've been really into metallics lately. <laughs> so like <laughs> anything that sparkles or shine, I've just been so obsessed with. And um, it just, it's just been adding a little bit of flair, a little bit of like pop into the materials that, or the, the fabric that I've been trying to weave. So I'm all about gold and silvers and pinks and <laughs> metallic blues. Um, it's been like my, I don't know, I'm so into it right now. But we'll see what happens. Maybe in the spring I'll be more into pastels. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love a glitter moment. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been all about it. <laughs> And do you have any new projects or future prospects that you're working on that you'd like to share? 
Yeah, so we just moved um, into the suburbs, so I'm trying to get studio organized. That's <laughs> my project one. But I'm really <laughs> diving um, into my online series of having some classes that are accessible, you know, to people who can't make it to the pop-up locations where I'm teaching. Um, so I'm really hoping to have that finished soon so that I, you know, I can draw more attention to the website, but also more to like the the things I want to teach. Um, and then of course I'm trying to have my wearable collection done by the spring. Um, it would be such a dream to be able to vend some of these pieces, um, on some of the summer festivals that are all around Pennsylvania. So hopefully I get to do that next summer or the summer rather. And, um, Everyone should keep a lookout on the website for all those things to pop up. <laughs> that sounds really cool. You're making wearable garments? Yeah, so I'm trying to finalize the modern jamdami method um, to make these lightweight kind of covering, you know, cover. Sh- I, don't, I don't want to say shawls because they're going to be more like um, little tunic jackets than shawls, but just lightweight, wearable, um, pretty materials to wear in the summer Um, and a lot of them are going to be monochromatic but playing on different textures so it should be interesting but simple at the same time oh that sounds really awesome and I'm also wondering so is this a weave that you're doing on a floor loom yes so um I just got a floor loom over the winter and I I was so excited (laughs) um And it really is a game changer because I'm able to make larger pieces a lot faster and I'm able to experiment with tapestry a lot faster. Uh, And fastened weaving don't really mix, but (laughs) it's it's semi at a rate where I can create large quantities of things without um, having to take days to to kind of set up and rewarp a smaller loom and that sort of thing. And it's making... Uh, making wearable weaving a lot lot more of a possibility than just doing it on a frame loom. Yeah. I'm just super excited to see how this all turns out. I'm definitely going to have to Google this method. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. And where can people go on social media and the internet to follow your work and to stay updated on these garments that are coming out soon? Yeah, so um, my website is Fibre Studio, or you could pronounce it Fibre Studio. So it's Fibre.studio. Um, and that's where I have all of my personal projects. Um, that's where the online classes will be. And it's where I will sell um, either personal artwork or um, materials to make something. So you can check that out there. Um, I also teach a lot at Wild Hand. Um, they're located in Mount Airy. So if you don't see the classes that you want there, always take a peek at uh, Wild Hand. And they probably will have some of the classes that I might not have updated yet. <laughs> but <laughs> I do teach a lot there. And um, you can always sign my email list and then you don't have to check anything. I'll just email you. <laughs> And we send emails out once a month or sometimes every other, depending on how much activity is going on. I might just send out one seasonal email for everyone. Amazing. 
So before you go, we have one question that we ask everyone that joins the podcast, and that is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts? Sure. I think my biggest advice is to keep your imagination open and not to get discouraged. (laughs) I think sometimes when you're working on a new project or even a, a, you know, a regular weaving project could be weaving for years and something goes wrong, you just kind of have to like take a deep breath and reset and try not to lose faith in your project. I think with weaving especially, it's so frustrating if you spent hours warping something and then all of a sudden you notice a flaw in your stitch or you've worked so hard to, <laughs> to try and follow a pattern and it's not going well. Um, I believe there's really never a mistake. There's only happy accidents. So just kind of reset and, and, you know, keep your imagination open, how you can fix an issue. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm really honored to be a part of this. That's a wrap. If you're interested in finding out more about Melanie's work, you can find links in our show notes at www.justyarn.com slash episode dash 97. Next week on the podcast, I'll be speaking with Penelope Starr, a Navajo rug restorer in Tucson, Arizona. So stay tuned for next week's episode. And until next time, happy weaving.